Welcome to Top Shelf at the Merrick Library with your host, Carol Ann Tack. Okay, listeners, tis the season for gift giving, and I'm sure many of you have already done so. But if you want that special gift for that one person you're not exactly sure what to get, I have the gift for you. Today's book, Glory Be by debut author Danielle Arsenault is that gift. It is that book. I can't stop talking about it. I have been posting it to every social media platform that I am on. So that said, listeners, please join me in welcoming Danielle Arsenault to the podcast. Danielle, thank you so much for joining us on Top Shelf at Merrick Library. I am thrilled that you're here. Well, thank you so much for having me. There are so many quotes from all the wonderful reviews about the book, about Glory B. Sarah Weinman, she has a wonderful column in the New York Times book review. She calls the book fabulous and that Glory Broussard is a character for the ages. So, Danielle, if you would please introduce listeners to the wonderful Glory Broussard and tell us about Glory B. So Glory Broussard is, I like to say, a woman of a certain age who lives in Lafayette, Louisiana. She's a Black woman and she's an overweight woman, a heavy set woman. And to make ends meet, she works as a part time bookie from her local coffee shop, Sissy's Coffee, which actually is a real coffee shop in Louisiana, kind of like Louisiana Starbucks. And she learns that her best friend, who is a, a nun beloved by the community, has died under mysterious circumstances that Lori does not believe. So she sets out with her daughter, who is a high-powered attorney in New York City, come down for the funeral to crack the case. So I guess that's the synopsis of the book. In terms of who Glory is, she's complicated. She's, she's deeply religious and goes to church every Sunday and is involved in that kind of a church group. But she has her own subjective set of standards and rules. She has a very specific view on what's right or wrong that's kind of always shifting. And she's a little petty. She's a little small-minded. She's very smart, very observant. And I just had a lot of fun writing her. <laughs> she is wonderful to read. She is absolutely wonderful on the page. I know that you are a public relations executive by day and Glory starts showing up in your life when? Like when, as you're doing your nine to five job, did she show up? I remember precisely when, I remember the moment where Glory entered my life and it was in 2016. I was living briefly in Asheville, North Carolina, which is a town that I love. And I was watching the Summer Olympics. And there was this Jamaican sprinter named Glory something. I don't even remember her last name. First name is Glory. And I thought, wait a minute, that is a fantastic name. But that would be a fantastic name for a character or for someone. So that was the first time Glory showed up in my life. And it's been a long circuitous route because then I wrote a memoir about fly fishing in intro. I moved to North Carolina and I was fly fishing and, and dropped out of New York City and like the rat wakes for a while. And I am very invested in this fly fishing memoir that I wrote. No one wanted that fly fishing book. <laughs> and to be honest, if I don't think it were very good. <laughs> but um while I was leaving one one evening thinking about it was on the fence and I wrote this whole proposal. And so I wrote this whole thing and I was waiting to hear back from her. And while I was waiting to hear back, 
I started working on Gordon E as a mystery. And by the way, I never heard back from that. Day, no. And by the time I realized I wasn't going to hear back, I was so deeply invested in glory. I thought, you know, I'm not even going to try to rework this book. I'm not, I think I'm like done with it because I'm so needed in glory. I actually became a little bit obsessed with her. And so that probably started just months before the pandemic when I started working on glory in, in earnest. That's an unbelievable story. I think the thing that always captivates me about mysteries is I am not a writer. I don't know how when you come up with the idea like 2016 and then you decide you're going to make Glory this sleuth, part of this mystery series, it's just, it it kind of blows my mind because you start writing her story. Do you know that it's going to be a mystery series? Does she keep talking? Listen, she'll keep talking to you, I'm sure, for many books to come because that's just how Miss Glory behaves. Uh, but did you know that this series was going to be something? Did you know, wow, I have a lot of stuff that I have to say with her? You know, I think it initially, especially as a debut writer, I was just trying to get done. I was trying to get the first book done and finished. And then once I was done, I thought, oh, you know, I have Gordy could be a series. I would like for it to be a series, but we'll see. But it was pitched as a standalone series potential, and, and it will be a series. I'm actually need to be in book two right now, just about done with the first draft, and I've been working on it. It's I been surprised it's been a totally different process than book one. It's taken a little longer. It is on track to be released next fall, but the second installment. We'll see, we'll see about that. But I think we can do it. So to answer your question, I think I just tried to write the book that I had in me at that moment. And then once it was done, I thought, oh, you know, boy, it just it had lots of adventures. There could be lots of people super to help in a place like Latvia, Louisiana. And I, I worry for her. In each book, I will worry for her. <laughs> well, you know, she, you know, my my dad had this expression of like, don't go writing checks your butt can't cash. And there's a little bit of that worry. She has a lot of fur and a lot of nerve and a lot of temerity. And but yeah, she definitely also doesn't necessarily think things through, has some blind spots for sure that get her in some trouble. But but one, of course, she, she perseveres. <laughs> Thank goodness. And of course, I love that there's resolution in book one, which is why at the end of the book, when I turned the last page and then I think there was a white page and then the next page, it said, oh, there, you know, here's more. And I thought, oh, thank goodness there's a book two. <laughs> I just want more cappuccino in my life. I need more glory in my life. I need all of those things. So, okay, so you finish the book. When does that title start buzzing around? Pardon the expression, but when does that title start coming to you. So I can't even take credit for that. <laughs> I am lucky to have a number of creative friends, people who work in creative industries as art designers and creative directors and people in advertising. So one night it's at my birthday party, I think a couple of years ago, somebody asked me like, oh, what's going on with your fly fishing book? And I was like, oh, that's dead in the water. And I told them about 4 for Sarg and the story that I was working on. And they asked me, what's the title? And I said, oh, I have no idea. And they were like, what about Gordy? Because it feels like it connects to this character. And she's got that kind of slightly religious undertone. Mm -hmm. But it also feels introductory. Hello, here's Glory. And then he said, you know, there's so many phrases of Glory. You can continue to play off that for subsequent titles, too. And I thought... Okay, I kind of filed that away. And I thought, I'll put a pin in that. And if I could come up with something better than that, I'll do it. Or if my publisher could come up with something better than that, 
it'll be fine. But everybody likes that. And everybody likes the idea of teasing through these videos through subsequent books. So I think that's what we'll do. Fantastic origin story of that title. And of course, the B part of that works its way in the cover is fantastic. You know, I read the whole book and then I went back to look at the cover and I thought, oh my gosh, Danielle's just winking at us here. (laughs) I really love a little bit of a clue cover that doesn't really give anything away. But then to your point, exactly when you read it, it totally makes sense. I've been so thrilled with the cover design. You know, I have, I have in a writer's group and a couple of uh, people in the group have published and a lot of them expressed frustration with their covers because if you're a debut author, you know, you don't get a lot of revisions. And so at the end of the day, they get that covers that they felt were fine, but weren't exactly what they had in mind. And look, I work in public relations and I feel like the work is only as good as the brief that is given up front. So forgive me if I sound absolutely insane, but I actually did a PowerPoint presentation for the design elements from other books that I hate design elements from other books that I liked and I included the images and just some general books that I liked. And then I included some guidance for the cover. I said, I absolutely do not want to see a little face with a pin in the face, but I don't want to see a little face because I hate when books do that because then all I see as I read the book is that character, is that whether it's a photograph or an illustration, but it's all you see. And I wanted to give the reader a little bit of room to imagine glory for themselves. The hat just felt like an absolute must. It felt like we could have a lot of fun with the hat. And then I had suggested some vintage illustrations of beehives and bees. These aren't what we went with was not vintage, but I think it's even better. I just was so pleased with it. I think the more clarity about what you want up front, you get a better cover in the end. That's what I love about it. When this book is gift wrapped and then you open it, it's just a gorgeous thing to behold. And then, of course, that's just the cover. Wait till you get inside and find out what's going on. I mean, Miss Glory, Glory Broussard, she is a woman of a certain age. She is smart. She's funny. She's very loyal. I love that about her. Uh, I read somewhere that somebody said that she's charmingly unfiltered. And I thought, well, that's really funny. I don't know if Delphine, her daughter, would feel that way. (laughs) but you never know. Um, She also feels she's overlooked. She's a member of the Acadiana Red Hat Society in Lafayette, Louisiana, which you mentioned, which she's a somewhat dubious member at the start of the book to begin with. She knows or she feels that her friend, her best friend Amity's death is suspicious. And she wants to find out the truth about that. She has to become this amateur sleuth. At some point, she says, Erin Brockovich got nothing on me. She just goes for it. When you're writing her, I know you mentioned it earlier. You said you were having a lot of fun with her. She is just great on the page. I mean, I, I don't know how you bring, and it's it's not a long book, but it it moves so quickly. I don't really know how on earth you brought her to life like that. I think it's really the dialogue. She came to me as more or less a fully fleshed creature. I will say she is inspired by my mother, and I've spoken about this before. My mother, it's just very unfiltered, often politically incorrect, often says things that I'm embarrassed and horrified by, like any daughter often is. And then I go and tell my friends, and I'll go visit her in Louisiana, and I'll come back and I'll tell my friends, I'll say, oh, I'm my mother, and can you believe she said this? 
And my friends just laugh. They think it's hysterical. And then I, I've shared so many of these stories over the years. I thought, wait a minute, am I overlooking the comedy of my mother? Am I looking? <laughs> um, because everybody thinks it's funny. So that was really you know, the seed of the characterization of, of Lori, where somebody who says things who's very blunt. Is very outspoken, but could I do it in a way that was charming? Could I do it in a way that was kind of delightful, that was fun to read? And I really think it's the dialogue and her words and just the way that she expresses things that really bring the character to life. And I've had, I just, it just came to me, you know, originally I had written this book and Glory was a little bit downtrodden, a little depressed. And you came to see some of the depression in the book. I kept that in, but she ended up being much more stubborn and bold than I had originally depicted her in my head. And everyone in my writer's group is just laughing. And I thought, I guess this is what's happening. I guess Glory has taken over as Glory does. (laughs) Exactly. As Glory, as Glory does. Her relationship with her daughter, Delphine, I think that that is one of my favorite parts of the book. Uh, Delphine is a lawyer and Glory says, listen, and I'm, gosh, I'm paraphrasing. If I don't do this, if I don't investigate this, if I don't see what's happening, she says, justice has been in short supply down here. It doesn't just roll up to the front porch for women like us. And then her daughter says something like, you're probably going to need a lawyer. I'm going to stick around because you're going to get into a lot of trouble soon. So I better be here for whatever you're going to do next. I think that that relationship between the two of them is just so perfect and funny and kind. It's never mean-spirited. Everything that Glory says or does, it's never mean-spirited. And I don't. It, you walk a beautiful line there um, that makes her relatable and not really cringeworthy. Uh, and I'm not really sure how you do that. Very cognizant of that. As I was writing it, one of the things I thought of that, and I was deeply worried about, was that people would see Glory as a kind of bassoonish character. No offense to anyone who likes Tyra Perry films, but I did not want her to come across as Medea. I wanted her to be more nuanced. I wanted her to have more depth. So anything that read to cloying or anything that read to just comical, I ultimately made the decision to take out. And I also think that for me, the point of Delphine from like a literary or a writing perspective is that when her mom says ridiculous things, her daughter comes in and says like, mom, that's not how we talk anymore. That's not how we do things. So it kind of pulls Lori back from that absurdity a little bit when she does just walk right up to it. Her daughter goes like, mom, that's no, that's like, that's not, that's not what we call, we don't call people who have been in jail shelters. We call them people who have had interaction with the justice system. So I do think that in addition to the relationship being complex, I mean, she is a device to temper Glory's worst instincts. There's a scene, there's many scenes between Glory and Delphine, not the least of which is the scene where they're driving to the spiritual intuitive and they're listening to the music on the radio and there's a problem with lyrics in one song, which was hysterical to me. And then the whole scene, listeners, I'm doing my best here. I'm not going to say much, but there is a scene between these three women, the spiritual intuitive, Delphine and Glory, that I just read it again before the interview. It is so funny. It cracks me up that whole, you'll, you'll see it when you get there. Trust me, you will. It's just 
she has this way of turning a phrase, but really that's Danielle Arsenault's way of turning the phrase for us on the page, which really brings glory to life. She's got this that's like a crackling wit. But underneath all of this, right, Glory is, as you mentioned, she's going through, she's dealing with a lot. She's not only grappling with the loss of her best friend, but her mom has recently passed. She herself is of a certain age. And she explores that. And I love that you do that. Uh, I appreciate her acknowledging these things. Um, one of the lines that Glory has is about sleeping. And she says she always wondered how people could sleep in the nude. She tried it once and feared her organs would fall out of her body. That's hilarious to me. Um, that is also my personal belief. I just don't understand. I just don't understand it. It doesn't matter. I, I, I just, you can do it. Anyone who's listening is free to do whatever they want, but like, I need to at least take a sheet over me. I need to be covered. I need, I need pajamas. Like these people walking around naked or sleeping naked. It's like, it's, it's so uncomfortable to me. And I thought that I would give Glory that attribution. I think we all have inappropriate thoughts and intrusive thinking. So both Glory is all on display, right? And, and for me, it's been really fun as a writer because some of the weird things that I think about, like when people sleep naked, it's so uncomfortable. I could just, I could give it to Glory because in my mind, there's two groups of people who can say kind of anything they want without getting into too much trouble. And that's children and women of a certain age. So I think that Glory can say these really outlandish things because she is a woman of a certain age and people give her a little bit of allowance that I think that even old men don't even get. I think that there's a certain kind of woman who can say anything and get away with it. And Glory is one of those women. Just as as readers will find out. Also, all of the lines, like especially that one about the nudity, that's so realistic. I think that way. So I responded to a lot of the things that she says about age and about, you know, putting when she gets out of bed and she puts her feet on the floor, like there's these, all these things. And I thought, oh my gosh, I mean, my heart for glory, a character for the ages indeed. I will follow her to the ends of the earth. And honestly, at this point now, I can't imagine a world or a reading world without her. The ensemble cast here is killer, pardon the expression, and readers will find, as we mentioned at the beginning, a very delightful surprise at the end of Glory B because there is a very small, there's a snippet of the next Glory Broussard book. I cannot imagine what it's going to be like. I am there for whatever, <laughs> whatever crime she solves. I will say that what I'm trying to do is build a glory metaverse, for lack of a better term, and that there's a, a number of people and storylines that will weave in and out throughout the books. And all of the characters and all of the storylines, don't be surprised if they come up at any point as I'm writing this series. Oh my goodness. I am very excited about that. I can't believe we have to wait till the fall, but I think you should take as much time as you need with that second book because we will just be waiting here with faded breath as you make your way into the world, bringing Glory Broussard and Glory be with you. Where is the best place for readers and listeners to follow along with your upcoming events or what you're working on next? There's my website, Danielle Arsenault, which does need to be updated, but I will update it. 
And also on Instagram, we're in just D-Arsenal, first initial, last name. It's another really good place. Before I let you go, again, it is the holiday season. Any book recommendations you would like to share with listeners? I just read the most recent installment of Richard Osmond's uh, Friday Murder Club, was The Last Death of the Die. And in some ways, it is a little bit tedious, but also his best book in other ways. Like, I, I don't want to give it away, but I was just really blown away by that book. It just gets better and better. So that's one. There's another book I'm reading right now, The Housekeepers by Alex Hay. I'm almost done with it. And it is so good. And it's so well written. And the setting and scenes and just the writing is everything. I just love it so much. Okay. Well, listeners, you've got three books now that you can go out there and shop until you drop. I will post all of the information on the podcast page for this episode. Listeners, Glory Be, a Glory Broussard mystery by today's guest, Danielle Arsenault, is on shelves everywhere. It's on shelves right now. Please grab a copy at your local library or your local independent bookstore. Glory Be is published by Pegasus Crime, which is part of Pegasus Books. And I thank Pegasus for going out of their way to help me set this interview up. I am very appreciative to them for all of their efforts. Danielle Arsenault, thank you so much for joining us here on Top Shelf. And I I really hope you'll come back for whatever comes next. I, I hope you will have me. <laughs> okay, listeners, thanks so much for joining us today. Remember to follow Top Shelf at Merrick Library, wherever you find most podcasts. For the latest at the greatest at the Merrick Library, check out our website at MerrickLibrary.org. Thanks to Merrick Library Director Dan Chesmere, Assistant Director Diane Bondi, and the Merrick Library Board of Directors for getting us off the ground and on to the airwaves. Until the next time, remember to keep us on your Top Shelf.